Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism Podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and Katie MD, and today we have the pleasure of bringing you Lisa Candera of the Autism Mom Coach. So welcome, Lisa, and thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Amanda and Katie. I did the last name right, right? You, you did, yeah, perfectly. Lovely. Okay, Lisa, so can you tell us about yourself um, and your journey with autism for anyone who may not be following you quite yet? Sure. Um, so my name is Lisa Candera. I am a single mom of a teenage boy, a 13-year-old boy with autism. My son was diagnosed um, right around the age of two and, you know, a really similar story to the ones we've heard, you know, so many times of, you know, knowing something wasn't quite right around the, you know, 15 to 18 month mark and starting to do, you know, my own research and, you know, questioning with doctors and getting put off for a bit until I, you know, yelled loud enough or I really actually didn't yell, but persisted long enough to get the, um, you know, a pretty early diagnosis um, 11 years ago. And so, um, so at that time, my son was, um, he was pre-verbal and, uh, we know, we, we just, we dove into the, you know, the early, the early intervention, you know, before he, um, you know, was able to go into the school district of trying to find all the therapies and trying to just do, you know, everything we possibly could, um, because, you know, you're always, well, we were told like, you know, timing is a big deal. You have to, um, you know, try to get, you know, certain, you know, hit certain milestones by certain points. And, um, you know, we're losing time, you know, every minute we didn't have ABA or a certain type of therapy. So there's a good amount of hysteria <laughs> in those early days after the diagnosis leading into my son um, initially, you know, finally getting into a school district. And then, you know, from there we did the, um, uh, you know, he repeated a couple, you know, kindergarten and preschool. So we had just, you know, extra time, extra ABA time during those years, which was really good. And then, you know, just navigating, you know, IEPs and, um, you know, the ups and downs of behaviors and anxiety and the different forms that took over the years, like as he developed language. And um, so, you know, so that was, so that just became like, you know, life as it was, like it just, that was just part of how it was. And we were, you know, my son got to a really good point. Um, you know, he just got really sort of like a model student in his own way and the teachers really liked him. And so those things were good, but you know, he had a lot of, he still had a lot of issues with anxiety. And then just fast forward, um, three years ago, we moved from where we lived, which was in South Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia to Connecticut. And my son was really, um, he, he was you know, nervous but excited about the move and he was really flourishing up here. Um, he started to sort of um, do things he had never done before. Like he wanted to do an after school program, which was like such a huge deal for him because he's you know, such so rigid about like when he did things and when he did his homework. And so anything like out of the normal like that was just not, you know, something that he was really interested in but he he just started to really come into his own um and as that was happening you know his anxiety was definitely um also increasing and then um 
But, you know, from the outside at school, he's like this model citizen. He's doing so well. They start to peel back some of his supports because, you know, he seemed like he was doing fine. And as that happened, they really saw the uptick in his anxiety. Then COVID hit and um, it really just, um, he, he really started to um, suffer, I would say, you know, just from the lack of support and really the confusion in his mind over you know, virtual learning. And I would say the culmination of all of that was seventh grade year. We're now at our third school and he's been hospitalized twice, um, in, you know, inpatient hospitalization twice for just severe, you know, anxiety um, related to his autism and OCD. Inpatient, um, it was never something I was I'd ever considered or really was aware of. But um, as his behavior started to escalate at the beginning of the school year, um, and when I say behaviors, I mean you know aggressive um, behaviors towards himself and towards others, including me. Um, and you know, it was brought up to me, you know, if you go into the if you you're going to have to call 911. You're going to have to go to the ER. And once you do that, the determination, you know, will be made. And I, I, it wasn't something I, I was almost confused because the school was now seeing what was going on in real life. And so they were sort of like, okay, like this is serious. But then, you know, they were like, well, we need to call 911. I'm like, what? I was sort of confused. And the only way I can explain it is like, when you're living at an eight, when you get to a 10, it's not significantly different. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Like, cause they were like, oh my God, this is what's happening. And then we get to the hospital and they're like, how long have you been living like this for? I'm like, well, you know, a, a minute. And so, um, so that to me was just a lot. It, it really, honestly, it took me longer to get there in terms of understanding that it was even necessary and then to whether it could be helpful. And so um, it took me a while the first time and I and I was I was a mess about it. I reached out to other moms that I know known had gone through this and where I got to with it was he needed help, the help that we were providing, which was Herculean at that point. I mean I had, had multiple therapists, psychiatrists, medicines, I mean there was a lot going on it wasn't helping and in fact he seemed to be going in the opposite direction so i got myself to the point where it's like this is the next right thing to do and we did it um he hated it 100 percent hated it he hated me for doing it and that was really difficult to deal with um i'm a single mom and i you know i do live, I would say like my, my, my greatest fear was that he was going to hate me for this and never forgive me and that we would never get back to where we were, which is we were really close. Um, when he got out of the hospital, the medication cocktail that they had provided him really wasn't helping. And in fact, I think was hurting. And for four months, it was, it was worse than it had ever, you know, it had been before he went in. And so by the time we got to it, the second impossible inpatient hospitalization, I was like, I had a, like a much clearer idea of the process and the plan and what I wanted to get out of it and what he needed to get out of it. And I think I was a lot more effective. His doctors had been with him for a longer point at that, you know, they had seen him over a longer period of time. So they had a 
they had a like a plan at the ready for how they were going to address it. So the second time around, it was much easier, but I also, I was just, I was so, the first time I was just kind of like this wobbly mess and I was kind of just, uh, the second time I was like, okay, <laughs> right. here we go, let's do this. And also, you know, they got him on, you know, a medication that really helped him, you know, come back to himself, like who he, himself, I mean, he was just so sort of literally out of his mind in a way with the medications. And it was really just, he wasn't available really for anything else. And so as he started to come back to his status quo, um, he really actually, you know, he didn't want to live there inpatient, but he appreciated the hospital. And then after we actually today just graduated him from this, the PHP program provided through this hospital, which also happens to be an autism inpatient specific, you know, hospital. So it just really, um, you know, a specialized uh, place for him to have his therapy and to also be watched by, um, you know, by folks in real time. So when they were seeing behaviors that were coming back as they were peeling away certain medications, they were able to act quickly to course correct. That's amazing. And I think um, a lot of parents, I know um, Katie and myself included, it becomes really difficult to distinguish what is autism and what is anxiety, but we know that our children struggle with both. Exactly. Yeah. What's autism? What's anxiety? And what's teenager? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah, a hundred percent. And so there have been times. There were times like right before the second hospitalization, where I had a couple. Not, you know, I had friends over at different times just because I wanted support. With the perseverations were so out of control, and it was helpful for me to have other eyes on that because again, when you're in it, you really do lose your objectivity or even your sense of what is quote unquote normal. And so yeah. having other people come in and be like, yeah, I mean, it was just, and you know, I like, you know, true, all of us, we all become like our own like ABA techs. Like I have like massive amounts of like data. I had created my own scale for behavior. So it's like when this behavior, you know, when there's yelling and, you know, self-injurious behavior with fleeing, that's a six and, you know, hitting me with big, it's a seven. And like, you know, I just, I had this, like, I was just trying to be as scientific about it as possible to like, so that I could report the information to the professional so I could get, um, you know, as best, um, treatment for him as possible and recommendations for myself. So we um, are, we also are data collectors here and I feel like our therapist looks at it and is like, uh-huh, this, this, uh-huh, okay, this doesn't really equate to what I would do. <laughs> I'm like, right, but this is what we're doing here. So, <laughs> yeah. so Lisa, um, I think it's so interesting what you do for work. So um, you had mentioned that you're a life coach for moms um, and specifically those raising special needs children. So can you talk to us about your why and sort of what those services look like? Yeah, no, sure. I um, So the why happened, um, I was actually this time, I mean, I've always wanted to do something related to autism services. Um, you know, when Ben was very young, I started going to transition conferences because I was, you know, even at two, I was pretty scared. And I heard this term called falling off the services cliff and it truly terrified me. And I started to look into 
pro, you know, what, what could a future look like, you know, employment, things like that. So I always thought I wanted to do something like along the lines of like advocating for, you know, employment for neurodiverse um, people. And um, as I thought about it more, and I was having my own experiences with my son, which were so unique to him. And it's like trying to figure out like, how could I, like, how could I personally, you know, help, you know, like, you know, many people with autism when they are so diverse within themselves. And the more I was having my own experiences with my son, I just really came to the conclusion that the best way for me to help people with autism is to help their parents because we, the parents, are their single most important resource. Like the doctors are going to come and go, therapies will work until they don't, same with the medicines, same with the schools, et cetera, et cetera. Like we are the most important thing. And so it really does matter how we are, how we're feeling, how we're sustaining ourselves because, and I would just have held a, um, a virtual, you know, coffee break with parents and, you know, there's parents who have kids who are, you know, 18, 19, and they're either trying to figure out the, you know, the services in their particular states for, you know, developmental disabilities, or they're like signing up for classroom, you know, classes in college and trying to get their children to like, you know, understand, you know, schedules and stuff. And so it's like, this doesn't end. <laughs> like, right. you know, shipping off to college, have fun. I mean, not to say that parenting ends, you know, at 18 for any parent, like, of course, it doesn't, but it is a different thing. And I think it, it's a, it can be a pretty intense thing. And so back to my why, my why is that um, in order to really, truly serve our children, we need to be, um, we need to be here for ourselves. And um, I had been using life coaching for a bit of time at that point. So this was right before COVID. And you know, I just, to back up, I had moved to Connecticut three years ago and I was having you know my own anxiety around my son's anxiety. But I was at the point where I was like, do I really want to find a therapist and like start all over again, like reviewing like 44 years of life to deal with like an issue where that I thought I really understood. So it's like, it's not an issue I wanted to process as much as something that I wanted like how can I do this better? Like, how can I manage what this is better? I'm not trying to deny what it is. I'm not trying to change it, but how can I manage it better? And so that's how I found life coaching. And I just, I found it so helpful that I decided to sign up for certification and that, you know, and so the story goes is that I got certified and two weeks later, my son you know, was in for his first inpatient stay. And so like, I really feel like the life coaching was almost like my training ground for everything that like I've had to um, manage in the past several months. I, um, you call it falling off the services cliff. I call it when the bus stops coming. Ah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> but it's, but it's, but it's the same thing. You know, there isn't this eight hours a day, someone else is helping you know, you're managing a team. Now you're doing it again with new people in a new setting with people you've never met before. And um, that transition is scary. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I also love how you said therapies will work until they don't, um, because I think a lot of us are so afraid to say, we've outgrown this. We can't do this anymore. They can't offer what he needs because we feel like 
we're either betraying a relationship that we've built because we do we build you know relationships with these therapists or you know we're giving up you're not giving up you're just moving on yeah a hundred percent and I got a lot of you know when, when we started um the intake for um for you know the hospitalization and things like that you know one of the first questions they asked me is do you have ABA services and the answer was no and they were kind of like well you know ABA is the gold standard I'm like and, and by the way we do have ABA services now um we'll see how long that lasts but I'm like yeah I, I they really did have a place in our life but I just really was having a hard time understanding how ABA services would be helpful in a situation where a child is triggered you know by you know anxiety and OCD related to school like how is ABA in my house after school going to help with that right right <laughs> and, but the reaction that you get well well it's the gold standard and so there's almost this feeling well if I don't do it then like I'm not being as diligent as I could be and therefore I might miss something and God forbid you miss something you know you can't get the time back you know you start swirling like that and so I I accepted the ABA services into the home we're still doing it again um, we'll see I, I might at least want them to be here for the transition transitioning him out of his um, partial hospitalization program and I also find that doing all of the stuff that at least is recommended when it also gives you other people who can kind of weigh in on what's working and not because when they say that doctors don't believe the parents but they or schools but they kind of don't until they see it and which has been my experience like I was pleading with the school for months about my son's anxiety and it, it wasn't until like you know he ran out of the school but they're like oh it's a problem yeah. Like, yeah it's a problem yeah so Lisa for the month of April you did a this is us series on Instagram um, and you spotlighted so many diverse special needs parents um, what is something that has stayed with you from seeing so many um, stories and journeys yeah no it's a great question and um, so what well, for, first, I just wanted to, um, I came up with this idea um, probably in sometime in February, and then um, we spent a week in the ER before my son um, was in, admitted to his, um, the, the hospital that he was then at for inpatient, and this became, like, my project. This became what I started to, like, spin. I just redirected my mind to, like, these, you know, to emailing you all and to looking at your websites and just, you know, kind of digging in. And it was like the best therapy I could have ever have had. And what really stuck out to me is that how different people were in their situations, but how the stories were the same. Like mm -hmm. it was just really striking because I asked and, and I didn't feature all of this because it would have been way too much, but I had asked the moms a series of questions and the answers were so strikingly similar, even though some people had children who were quote unquote high functioning, not, you know, others nonverbal. Some people had siblings, some people had multiple children with autism, some were single, some were, you get the picture, you know. But the stories were just so similar. And the, the similarities that really um, struck out, stuck out to me were a couple of things. The, I knew something was wrong. I had to put, you know, um, I 
women who all said that they really learned about themselves, like um, how strong and how resilient they are, um, how much of an advocate that they are, like they sort of like discovered this piece of themselves that they didn't even really know existed and how they were all using like this, you know, grief, trauma, pain, and this ongoing challenge. And like, they'd all sort of like, were turning it into something that was, you know, I think probably at first focused on their own child and their own journey, but then like, they really are just like, um, using it for like the larger good and to connect with other families. It's like, they, it's like, we're going through this for a reason. There's purpose in this and we're going and, and, and you know, people are finding it in different ways. But like that, those were the things that really struck me the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Katie and I've had this conversation before. Um, having a diagnosis of autism changed who we were. Um, it changed our career paths. It changed our outlook on life. It changed how we, you know, did life every single day that it um, made us better. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think for me, um, and I actually, Amanda, I don't think I've ever even shared this story on the podcast, but we're going to talk about it. I had went on a shopping trip, actually, uh, to the city years ago. And, and you know, the, when I went, like, I already had been married and, and kind of started coming back into the world of social media, not really overly sharing a lot, but... Um, figuring out Facebook and all the things because I'm like one of those parents and just one of those people in general like I like writing cards and I like talking on the phone and I wasn't really a social media person years ago anyways I had went to the city and I had ran into an old friend of mine and you know we hadn't talked we hadn't seen each other for years and she had said like so how's how's waitressing how's working at the bar and I was like well I don't work at the bar anymore I don't waitress I don't sell wine at markets um I have kids my kids on the spectrum and yada 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 and she was like what happened to the old you and it was so funny because (laughs) it was one of those friends that it didn't matter if it was months or years um it was like we hadn't talked or whatever and then we see each other and we kind of left off you know from wherever we were from before but she didn't know any of those things and it really kind of shocked her almost that you know I have a child on the spectrum and that I was married and all of these things we just you know we hadn't seen each other and hadn't connected for so long but after seeing her it was a few weeks later she ended up getting a hold of me and she had called me and we were texting late one night and she said I'm so proud of you she said I know your life has became difficult your life has became hard but I can see it in your eyes that you are where you're supposed to be in life Mm-hmm. And that meant so much coming from her because when I had ran into her and seen her, I felt like there was this chunk of my life that I was, I left behind and that I was missing and I was craving and always I was kind of dealt with this card of this life of, you know, special needs and, and that I was missing out on so many things, but it was so interesting and, and so nice for her to say like, you know, from her looking outside in, like I am where I'm supposed to be. And it was, it was kind of what I needed to hear, I think at the time. Yeah. 
I will say um, autism made me a better teacher. It made me a stronger advocate. Um, it also made me realize how little sleep we can run on. I told my husband, I'm like, do you remember? You remember when we used to sleep in till like 10, 30, 11 o'clock in college on the weekends and we thought we were tired then? We had no idea what tired felt like. <laughs> He's like, you are 1000% correct. We had no idea. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So Lisa, what is a lesson that autism has taught you? Oh my gosh, there's been so many. <laughs> um, you know, one of them, um, I have, you know, I when my son was first diagnosed, I really went into this sort of, you know, kind of figure it out mode, not figure out autism. I never actually really spent much time on what caused this, but just sort of figure out the service, that kind of thing. And so I just, that's sort of like diving in and doing as much as possible. Like I think in my mind, like my, I'm an attorney. And so I think I had the idea, like if I research it enough, if I resource it enough, like I'm going to figure this out. And you know, just sort of like putting all of my energy into that and having this attitude of like, suck it up, like get over it, just do it, you know, plow through that kind of an attitude. And like what this, every, all of this has taught me is like, there's a time and a place for get you know, for the action of the getting the things done, but there needs to be more time for the just being kinder to yourself and um, also really paying attention to what how you're feeling I thought that that was just not something to do it didn't even really occur to me like my son had this problem I need to figure it out but um I think that so many of us do that and then we we really drive ourselves into the ground (laughs) um and it makes it a lot harder to sustain because I got to the point where you know my son was going to be graduating sixth grade and I was like oh my god I did it I got into this point now there's middle school and I was like how am I going to do middle school (laughs) and you know and I I was just like no something needs to change here because I don't want it you know to be like you know yes there's challenges and things like that but they're um, I was making it a lot harder on myself the way I was approaching it. So there's definitely, you know, autism has like, taught me to slow down and to um, be more in tune with myself and how I'm feeling. Because also, one of the things I've learned is like my son, and, and, I, and I can't obviously speak for every autistic kid, but I've had this conversation with other parents. like. He's like a tuning fork for other people's emotions and especially mine. Like I am his environment. So the more grounded and calm and regulated I am, the more that impacts him. Now it doesn't solve things. It doesn't mean that he's not going to perseverate like all night about like where he like left, like, you know, his game controller. (laughs) But if I can, you know, kind of keep myself together, that does have an impact on him. And so, um, so, so there's, you know, there, there's that part of it too. And I would say, again, there's like a million things, but, and I'm sort of all over the place, but one of the things that I've really learned in this last year from COVID and being side by side with my son while I worked from home and he was um, going to school is how much I mirrored his behavior. Mm-hmm. And so I'll say things like he perseverates. Well, I literally perseverate over his perseveration. Me <laughs> too. <laughs> right? Me too. And it's such an interesting thing. Like I've really, I've seen it like in, 
you know, ski, you know, he took up skiing. I could really see it with the skiing. It was like, you know, he was upset. You know, he was getting really focused, like on how his, um, you know, his shoe fit. And so it was literally, you know, 10 minutes per foot. And I was getting such anxiety about his anxiety. And it just, it made it miserable. And like, when I was able to step back and see that that was happening and just be like, listen, we're gonna take this shoe off about 10 times. It's gonna take a solid 10 minutes. That's it. If it takes nine, that's great. <laughs> it's right. probably gonna take 10, like just let it go. And so it's definitely let me sort of see where, um, you know, where I'm doing the same thing and like, just like, you know, it's an invitation to like, let it go. Listen, you are the missing piece to this trio because Katie and I are exactly the same. <laughs> okay. <laughs> our, be our behavior therapist last week or two weeks ago, she's like, I need you two to focus on what your triggers are. We're so focused on Jackson's triggers. What are your triggers? I'm like, I'm triggered because he's triggered because yes. my has because my husband's triggered. So we're all in an escalated state because everyone's on pins and needles because his vocal stimming drives me bananas, but he's vocal stimming because other people are making noise that he can't control, that I can't control. It's like a vicious dog chasing its tail circle. So, oh, 100 percent. Yeah, <laughs> I, I am right there with you, girlfriend. It's so like my son right now, and he's not this moment, but earlier, you know, he's pacing. As soon as I see the pacing, I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> and then I'm like, and so I'm like, so what's going on? I am having some thoughts. Do we need to let it go? Well, who's not letting it go? Me. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, yeah. So he's I I actually my I nicknamed him the real autism mom coach because he is my greatest teacher, obviously. Um, I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm the queen of can't let it go because I need control. And as much as I need control, Jackson needs control double. So right. I get it. It's I get so it. It's funny. I I I I like that like my, I think Big Ben's autism in some ways, it like, it's like shown me how to be a much better parent than I think I would be. I <laughs> because agree. like the things that worked, like, you know, quote unquote worked for me when I was growing up and I, you know, thought should work for, they don't work, they don't even touch him. He's just like, hell no. Like, if I'm like, you know, if I said things like, you know, you wouldn't want to do that, you wouldn't want to make me feel bad. Not that I've, I've said that, but that'd be an example. And he'd be like, that's your problem. Like, he's like very clear boundaries, <laughs> which is amazing. But it's like all of this stuff, like the cajoling that I, you know, would, you know, you know, trying to bribe him with something or it doesn't work, <laughs> which yeah. is overall a good thing. Like, you know, it just makes my, it, it makes the parenting, you know, more challenging because you, you get more creative, but I do have such respect for it too, because he's like, he's really, truly his own person. And like, what more could we really want for our kids than that? Yeah, I agree. So Lisa, we always ask our guests, what is um, a piece of advice that you have for a fellow mama? And um, if we could, um, whatever advice you have, but because Katie and I have talked about this, what is your advice for parents who are getting ready to go through puberty with their kids? <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just expect. It's like, what, I mean, I, um, there was a lot, a lot of changes when, when Ben went through puberty and, um, 
and you know, part of it is like, you know, a lot of the chemical changes that are happening and then also the social and emotional changes. And it's so much for them. They're dealing with so much. And so I really tried to keep in my mind at all times, like this is a child who struggles with social, emotional, and communication. We're going through a time in his life where his brain is literally changing. It is undeveloped as it is. And um, there are going to be challenges. And um, so the advice would be to have a mantra that you think of, <laughs> that you practice, that you that you really believe. And mine is, and it's been helpful, and I this is not mine. I've, I've gotten this from meditation. Um, and I, I'm not going to be able to quote who this actually comes from, but it's um, right now it's like this. And just reminding yourself, like this is a moment in time that um, as hard as it is, as challenging as it is, um, and maybe it's not, and that's even great too. But I always try to bring myself back to that just to like ground myself in like, we've been through hardship before, we'll do puberty. And the other thing I would say about puberty is that it really brought me back to diagnosis. I thought I was like, you know, I thought I was cruising on this whole autism thing. Like I had been doing it for a minute. Like I felt pretty good. When we got to puberty and things completely shifted, it was back to diagnosis. It was back to me going to the therapist, you know, trying to figure stuff out, not understanding what's going on, throwing it against the wall, everything against the wall, not sure what's going to work, not sure like, you know, if he's gonna be okay, like that kind of stuff. Like it in a really real way brought me back to that moment. And when it did, and this is one of the things that I've really learned from my parenting groups, because I feel mixed with people. And when I hear the people who are just getting the diagnosis I remember like oh I did all of that I was as scared as they were I was as clueless as they were and I got through it I'll get through this one too Katie and I often joke we're like we've done so much can you just let us skip this one like well listen listen we got well we got like additional um diagnoses of OCD and general anxiety disorder I'm like are you kidding me I have friends with kids that don't have any Oh, letters after there. <laughs> I was yeah. like, enough. Like, I mean, I was good with autism. <laughs> yeah. I adapted. I went to all the classes. I did all the things. Yeah. Yeah. We keep joking that maybe the universe is going to slide us a solid and be like, you know what? You've put in your dues. We're going to let you skip this one, but it's not looking so promising for that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's so interesting. Like, you know, we didn't talk about this, but this could be a whole other podcast is the you know, the reaction is like, you know, when you find, when you found out about the diagnosis. And, you know, one of mine was definitely a relief. And another was like, there was a piece of me that was like, oh, you know what? He gets to like not be in the rat race. Like we get to like sort of pull back from that. Like, and so like that was, I don't know if I was just trying to like make myself feel better at the time, but uh, another thing was like, okay, like everyone has a thing, like this is our thing and we know about it now. And mm -hmm. so, you know, like, and it's interesting because as I've, as Ben's gotten older and I've had more experiences with his neurotypical friends and their families, they have no idea how to advocate for their children. Like they're no. always coming to me for advice. I'm like, oh, we've been doing this forever. Like, this is what you do. This is how you say it. This is who you go to. This is who, and it's like, it's a real, um, so yeah, I mean, I wouldn't, I'm glad I have these skills. I'm glad I have this ability and, you know, it, it, so 
So Lisa, we want to thank you so much for joining us. And like you said, there are so many topics that could just be other podcasts in themselves, but where can people find you to follow along and learn more about you and your services? Sure. So um, I have a website that is the autismmomcoach.com. And from there, you can um, learn a little bit about me and schedule a free consultation to discuss, you know, where you are, where you want to be, and, um, you know, whether coaching would be a fit. Uh, you can also follow me on Instagram at the Autism Mom Coach and pretty soon a Facebook page. But for the most part, it's going to be Instagram and the website. It'll all have the same information. So it's like, you know, whichever you prefer. <laughs> and I can also, I my email is attached to my Facebook page, but that's my Lisa M as in Marie Candera at gmail.com. Perfect. So I will put all of that in the episode details. That way um, everyone can look there and figure out where to best follow along and to contact you. But I want to thank you so much for coming and for talking about um, some of the hard that people are afraid to talk about. You know, inpatient is hard. Puberty is hard. And we appreciate moms like you who share your experience to help us have um, a little bit of an easier experience during those hard moments. Uh, more than happy and I would to, to share and I would also um, say that um, perhaps link the hospital um, but then with that um, it's an, it's you know the hospital was um, this autism unit was formed three years ago it's an inpatient 10 beds and then a PHP program to follow so it's really extraordinary state-of-the-art and so lucky that it's 25 minutes from my house um <laughs> so um but in, in any event i just i do know from the research that these hospitals are not everywhere so right. um, for people who um you know if this is something that they're exploring and they're interested in i think that it's an amazing resource sure so yeah if you want to send me that information when we're done i'll make sure it makes it in the episode details as well 100 percent. that sounds great well, Lisa, thank you again so much. It was so wonderful to talk to you and learn more about you and Ben. Thank you so much. It's so nice to um, speak with you this evening. Well, everyone, thank you so much for joining us and we will talk to you all again next week.